Hey everyone and welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife, as always, Liberty. And we are back from our little break that we just had. Boy, there's been a lot of things that have gone on, some important things and probably some not so important things. Yeah, in the past 10 days, we've gotten so much sports news that I am not ready for this. If it makes you feel any better, for once I feel like I'm not ready for this. It's going to be a long that Lots actually makes me feel a lot worse. Well, I'm glad I could help. Yeah. But if you didn't know, we are a married couple with different interests, and we try to bring each other into our hobbies by discussing the latest news in both books and sports. And we apologize for the car that just went through the background of our episode. Normally, we try to record in the morning in Texas when, you know, no one's really out and about, but the way everything is shaken out, we are recording at night when people like to go vroom. Yeah, it's been an interesting 10 days. Yeah, but I mean, we had fun seeing my family and you had your birthday with neither one of us working or working on the podcast or anything like that. So I felt like that was still good. It was definitely a good time away. It's like the first time I think I've had my birthday off in as long as I've been in retail. So that's exciting. Yeah, but I guess it's time to get started because dear God, we love you. Please stay with us. We'll start with the NHL, which is actually probably not going to be our longest section in this one. Which For is the first time ever. Weird-ish. I know that you wrote down some COVID updates for the NHL. I didn't write any down personally, but I know that you had some. So there's like one really big thing that got announced this week by the NHL. Basically, the NHL announced that teams will be able to suspend unvaccinated players if they're unable to partake in team activities. So I think this has a lot to do with like teams going north to Canada because they're still not letting unvaccinated people into their country. Well, Um, I think they also have other activities that they normally do together. Like normally, I know my team has like photo shoots that they have to do for like calendars they sell, specifically puppy calendars. And like they have other in-team events that have nothing to do with like the outside world that are still going to happen this year probably. And if you're sick because you're unvaccinated, it's going to be a problem for you. It seemed like mostly it was more around like legislation in the states or in the country that you're going to that would cause you to dock. But it is a pretty gray written rule. So maybe like it could include all those things too. I mean, I feel like there are a lot of things that you could be prevented from doing because you're unvaccinated. What you're saying probably, but also probably in team events that you can't do because you're not vaccinated. Like the key thing for the punishment is every day that you miss team activities because you're unvaccinated, you get docked that percentage from your salary for the year, which I feel like could add up a little bit, Like, but albeit NHL players are paid very little in comparison. Well, I mean, it's all going to depend on your normal AAV for your salary. So I think it could get pretty ugly pretty fast for a lot of people. Right. So we'll just kind of have to wait and see how it all kind of comes together and turns out, I guess. Just get vaccinated and then it won't be a problem. Right. But because of the time of year it is, we have a ton of signings. A ton, ton. So we're just going to fly through them real fast. We tried to group them by team, but I think my order is a little different than yours. Yeah, my main concern was, like, I wrote notes, you wrote notes, and I don't know that they're quite overlapping right, but we'll find out as we go. Yes. So first I have the flyers, because let's just get them out of the way. They did end up spending a lot of money while we were gone. The first being Travis Sanheim has signed a two-year $9.35 million contract with the Philadelphia Flyers on Saturday. It has an AAV of $4.675 million. Sanheim avoided a salary arbitration hearing that was scheduled for August 26th, so it was kind of cutting it close. You also had Derek Broussard, who signed a one-year $825,000 contract with the Philadelphia Flyers. Sean Couturier also signed an eight-year, $62 million contract extension with the Philadelphia Flyers that begins next season, and it has an AAV of $7.75 million. And the last one I have for the Flyers is that Joel Farabee signed a six-year, $30 million contract extension with the Philadelphia Flyers that will begin in the 2022-23 season and has an AAV of $5 million. I think that's pretty much all the Flyers ones. Thank God. We don't like to talk about them here. And then we had, obviously, the Carolina Hurricanes going out and signing one of their superstars, Andre Svechnikov, 
to an eight-year contract worth $62 million. That's AAV, as we already learned earlier, of $7.75 million. It wasn't the only $62 million contract given out this week. Which is a little weird. But that will keep him with the team through the 28-29 season, which sounds fake, but is actually a year probably. Also this week, we had the Calgary Flames. Uh, they signed forward Dylan Dubé to a three-year contract, $6.9 million value, which is an AAV of $2.3 million. And then one that I thought was a little weird is that Jordy Ben was signed on a one-year $900,000 contract with the Minnesota Wild on Friday. I just, I feel like it's so weird him not being in Dallas anymore. It's been a but few years. I know it's been a while, but at the same time, it's like, aren't you supposed to be with the other Ben? What is happening? I was going to say, I don't think he was even with the team when we were here. Like when we first moved here, I think was maybe the tail end of his career here. I'm pretty sure the year that we moved here, he got moved that season. Yeah. For the Nashville Predators... Eli Tolvanen has signed a three-year, $4.35 million contract. It has an AAV of $1.45 million. And one that I know you're excited for is that Connor Murphy has signed a four-year, $17.6 million contract extension with the Chicago Blackhawks. It will begin in the 22-23 season and has an AAV of $4.4 million. I'm excited to see him come back. He was definitely one of our top two line defensemen guys for the last couple of years. I'm glad they kept him. I think he's part of the long-term core that we should try to hold on to. I still think he has some room for improvement based on his performance, but at the same time, like I, I understand why they're paying him the money they're paying him. Puts a lot of penalty kill time on the ice, so... The Islanders also kind of went all out like your Flyers did. That you're Who's not Flyers? Because not mine. No, sir. Okay. I said who you're not a fan of towards the end of it, but they signed Ilya Sorokin for three years with an AAV of $4 million, Kyle Palmieri for four years with an AAV of $5 million, Anthony Bouvillier for three years with an AAV of $4.15 million, and Casey Sezikis for six years with an AAV of $2.5 million. So they've been spending. That's a decent chunk of money, too. Yeah. The Kraken also spent a little bit of money this past couple of weeks. Riley Shahan signed with them a one-year $850,000 contract. I don't know how to feel about this because they have so much money to spend and it's just barely over the league minimum. But also, you know, the thing is, like, who is this guy? Uh, well, I know who he is, but he's not been on a really good team for a while. The, right. Being he's the not Sabres. one of the the hotter people that are getting signed with the cracking right now well a lot of it has to do with the fact that i think he was playing for an underperforming sabers team he's still young enough to warrant more money than that but there's no track record because the last three years he's been in buffalo so that helps your cause usually speaking when it comes to contract negotiations yeah and speaking of the buffalo sabers they also spent some money Casey Middlestad signed a three-year $7.5 million contract with them, and it has an AAV of $2.5 million. Also, Henry Yokiharu signed the exact same type of contract, three years, $7.5 million, AAV of $2.5 million. I feel like they're just trying to make the job easier on whoever has to do the payroll. They're like, listen, this is all it is, guys. I was going to say whoever's doing the paperwork, but yeah. Copy, paste. (laughs) Enter new name. We also had a signing with the St. Louis Blues this week. They signed defenseman Colton Pareko to an eight-year contract extension worth $52 million, which brings it to an AAV of $6.5 million. You're going to have to correct me on this name because I've never seen it before in my entire life, but this was a big contract, so I thought I would bring it up. Drake Batherson agreed to a six-year $29.85 million contract with the Ottawa Senators. This has an AAV of $4.975 million. I think you nailed it. I don't have it on my notes, so I can't cover for you. (laughs) It is on your notes. I can see it. I feel like you left this next one for me. Philip Hronick has signed a three-year contract with the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, The financial terms were not disclosed as of our note-taking. But I feel like that's been common with Detroit this year. I don't know if it's just them or what, but... I haven't read anything about any of their numbers. I feel like if I went to the CAP website, I might be able to find it, but I don't think CAP Friendly had it at the time. Gotcha. I think that's the website. That is the website. 
go me. And then this one I only bring up because it's my team. Brian Boyle signed a professional tryout contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins on Friday. The 36-year-old forward did not play in the NHL last season, but did help the U.S. finish third at the 2021 IIHF World Championship, where he was the team captain. So I just think it's weird that he's having a tryout because he did play the season prior. So it's like... He's one of the many players that like opted out of last season just because... A, it was so compressed with the previous year, and at his age, it takes a little more time to just be ready to go again. Well, and I also feel like at that age, you're less likely to be like, yeah, I'm willing to take that risk. Right, right. So, who knows? We'll see how that works out in the future. This past week, we lost that of not necessarily like a Hall of Fame great in Jimmy Hayes, but the fact that he passed away at such a young age. And I say young age because he's literally a year younger than us when he passed away at the age of 31. So that's just tough to see somebody pass away at such a young, young age. Did they say what happened? The family has kind of kept it close to themselves, which I can respect, obviously. Like, when somebody dies, it's not really our business, but... He was in the public eye, so I feel like you have a little bit less privacy at that point. But most of the time, when they're that young, when they pass away, it's got to be an accident, an overdose, or I guess now COVID, usually... Could be cancers, all sorts of things, realistically. Right. The list goes on. Either way, it's sad that he passed away at such a young age. Like, 31 is far too young for somebody to go. And in a sort of different direction from that. Hopefully happier, better news. (laughs) The NHL and the NHL Players Association announced on Friday that they have reached an agreement with the International Ice Hockey Federation to confirm a break in the 21-22 NHL regular season schedule in order to accommodate the participation of NHL players in the 22 Beijing Winter Olympics. This will be the first Olympics for NHL players since 2014 in Sochi. The agreement allows for the possibility of a later decision to withdraw in the event that COVID conditions are deemed by the NHL and Players Association to be impractical or unsafe. I'm kind of glad that the contract included that because, right. like, I just didn't want them to get backdoored into the situation because, let's just be honest, every country is realizing it's not over when they think it's over and reacting to everything now, so. Well, I also feel like America is sort of, like, still a hotbed for it, so I feel like they need to accept that it could be unsafe for other countries. And if vice we versa, went. right. So the way this will work is that the 21-22 NHL season will break from February 3rd to the 22nd for the 22 Honda NHL All-Star Weekend in Las Vegas and the Olympic Men's Hockey Tournament. So there's just a big break for all the things. As you know, the All-Star Game usually happens in January, so this is a little bit later than normal. Right. And I know this has been a favorite talking point of yours that's coming up about the Coyotes and their stadium hunt. Yeah, so this past 10 days or so, they confirmed that they have submitted a proposal to build an arena in Tempe, Arizona, after the city of Glendale announced it wouldn't renew its operating agreement with the team at the Gila River Arena following the season. My thing is, arenas take a while to build, so like you need to pound out the terms of this agreement as soon as possible. As we've seen with Seattle, like it can take some time. Yeah, it took them about a year and a half since groundbreaking to build Seattle Stadium, but it's taking a little longer due to COVID, obviously. Right. Things. Well, and because of COVID, they're not even technically starting the season at home. Their home games are going to be away for the first two weeks or something like that. Yeah. And that's if everything stays on track. Right. Who knows? It could get pushed, which is another reason to not buy the home opener tickets we were looking at. Besides the $5,000 price tag. This is true. And that is really it for the NHL. It's much shorter than usual, I feel, because it's mostly just signings happening right now. We are getting ready to go into the preseason, which I'm excited for. However, that means that most of our news this week is coming out of the NFL. And that's because a lot of things are happening with COVID. And, like, I have just, like, pages of COVID news for the National Football League, so I hope football fans are prepared. 
I just think it's funny that you have so much for COVID. And at first I was like, I have like three things. Oh no, there are bullet points on bullet points. Yeah. So let's get into it. The NFL distributed two clubs, a consolidated set of the NFL, NFL Players Association COVID protocols for the 21 regular season. And I read through the whole thing. It is about 100 pages long. And uh, wow, do you not want to waste your time doing that? Roughly, the document includes the following. Education about COVID vaccinations, COVID symptoms, as well as infection prevention. Club facility protocols, including facility access, physical distancing, food service, PPE and hygiene, facility cleaning and disinfecting, and equipment cleaning and disinfecting. Travel protocols, including game travel, PPE, disinfection, third-party staff, physical distancing, and what will happen when slash if someone develops COVID on the road treatment response protocol, and a lot more about game day protocols, screening and testing protocols, media protocols, enforcement protocols. It's a very long PDF, but it is available on the NFL's website for anyone who wants to read it and get into the weeds about it. Basically, it's not as tight as it was last year, but at the same time, they are still having measures in place. The main thing I think to take from it is that there's a lot to be enforced about the people who aren't taking it seriously or they do get COVID and they're missing practices or missing games, stuff like that. Like there will be punishments. Yeah. And as we'll see later, some punishments have already been doled out for people not behaving appropriately. And we'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) But first, something that I thought was really funny that happened is that the Minnesota Vikings have had an epidemiologist speak to the team in the hopes of increasing vaccination rates ahead of the season. I think they're one of the teams with the lowest vaccination rates. So they're trying to bolster that in order to probably prevent the team from having to pay a lot for missing games. Because that is one of the things that will happen if you miss a game Yes, as a team. coughing up the money for the losses to the NFL. Yep. And Bruce Arians, who I believe is the coach for the Bucks, The head coach, yes. Says that they will implement their own COVID rules for road trips that, from what I read, look a lot like last year's COVID protocols. The players won't be allowed to leave the team hotel or have family visit during road trips. The NFL rules currently state that fully vaccinated players are permitted to interact with vaccinated family and friends during road trips, but under the team's rules, they won't be permitted to do such a thing during the season. And I think part of that stems from the fact that a couple of different teams' players got together for a dinner, and almost all of them ended up sick, and coach was like, no, 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 we're not doing this. Yeah. I like that he's cracking down on this, but I think... Part of that also stems from the fact that they're in Florida, and that's one of the worst places in the U.S. right now for the Delta variant. So, yeah. And the reality is, too, it just came out that literally today, that post the celebration of the Super Bowl victory, Tom Brady literally only about a week and a half later came down with COVID-19. Nice. So, you know, there's a lot of people that are linking it to the boat parade celebration. I don't know how, because it was still all... The people that were, like, only part of the team that were there. But, like, if they went out and did things to celebrate, I guess that kind of makes sense. I mean... That's all it really takes, It doesn't take a lot. Yeah. I got COVID from going to the grocery store. Because that's the only place I went. Yep. So, yep. there we are. But, as I was saying earlier, we do have a player who recently got some fines... Because they weren't doing the right thing. I thought you were going to say they got gotted. I was like, oh gosh, no. I don't talk like that, but sure. (laughs) So Bill's wide receiver, Isaiah McKenzie, revealed that he faces NFL discipline for violating the league's COVID protocols for unvaccinated players by failing to wear a mask inside the team facility. And he was really tacky. And he wrote on a social media post, quote, they got me at NFL, you win in which he included a copy of the first page of a letter he received from the league informing him of the violation. But this is technically his second violation. This isn't the first time he's done something like this. The league has issued a warning to him on July 27th. So under league rules, the first offense for violating the protocols will result in a fine of $14,650 
Repeated violations could result in a player being suspended or fined a week's salary, which I don't even want to know how much that would be for him. I was going to say NFL monies is a little bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And since the start of training camp, the NFL has sent written warnings to roughly 120 players league-wide and fined 25 players for refusal to wear a mask and or tracking device because they're still using the tracking devices that they implemented last year. It's for contact tracing. Right. The horror. Well, okay. So the thing that bothers me about this. So obviously this guy's unvaccinated because he broke the rules for unvaccinated players. And yet he doesn't want to wear a mask. Pick one. If you want to be unvaccinated, wear a mask. If you want to not wear a mask, get vaccinated. That's all I can tell you. You can't do both. The reality is, too, a lot of these organizations now are required to have camera systems that the NFL has the ability to roll the tape on. So it's like you have to know somebody is probably watching. Just assume someone is always watching. Even if you're not an NFL player, just assume someone's always watching. Right. But speaking of good news on the front of the vaccination front for the NFL. We aren't, but steering in that direction. Yes. The NFL announced that their vaccination rate has held at 93% following roster cuts this week. However, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach Bruce Arians noted that his club is finally 100% vaccinated this week. Right, and they're the second team to do this. The Atlanta Hawks also reached the same percentage last week, I think it was, or the week before, something like that. Two teams from the South where they both have high COVID numbers are reaching it first, so why can't the rest of everybody else get on board? I feel like because of this sort of like looming threat, coaches are like, you have to do this or else we're not going to play this season. And the players are like, I want my money. I'll get vaccinated. Exactly. Who doesn't want their money, right? So yeah, every Buccaneers player, coach, and staff member have been vaccinated and like good for them. They deserve all the rights. Yeah. And in negative news of COVID, uh, the Titans placed quarterback Ryan Tannehill on the COVID-19 list. He will need two negative tests over a two-day span or take the 10-day quarantine requirement by the NFL. What if he's still positive after 10 days of quarantine? Does he have another 10 days of quarantine? At that point, they're technically not deemed contagious, um, so they would be able to come back to the facilities. It's the plague. Let's just assume you're still contagious. Why don't we do that? Because science says otherwise? I don't know. Like, I feel like this is a different argument for a different podcast. (laughs) But I guess the good news is, to come out of this, the higher vaccination numbers. We're just going back and forth. It's a roller coaster. Yep. Um, The NFL and NFL Players Association have agreed to only require once a week testing for fully vaccinated players. Unvaccinated players will still need to test daily. Why don't you all just get vaccinated? Your life would be so much easier. Having your nose prodded, I feel like, once a week rather than every day would be a much better experience. Yeah. The last COVID test I took, I got nosebleed. So, like, you know. You got to stop before you get to the brain, you know. I did. Thank you. (laughs) Chief Safety... Tyrion Matthew has been placed on the COVID-19 list after testing positive this past week. He has a mild case, which he has come out to the press and attributed to the fact that he is fully vaccinated. So he's not concerned about, like, ending up in the hospital or anything. Right, right. And he's excited to get back to playing football, but he understands that he has to take the time. Right. So. At least it's before the season has officially started when he got sick. They're saying that he might miss the first game of the season just because it's going to, like, overlap by about a day or so. But, but I mean, that's just one game. It could have been, right. like, half a season. Right. Not half a season. I was going to say, no. Ten days, two games, period. Like, I tops. Mean, <laughs> if he had really bad COVID or if he had post-COVID problems. Right. And then New York Jets wide receiver Jamison Crowder was also placed on the COVID-19 list after testing positive this week during practices. So far, it is just an isolated case as far as the organization can tell. They did check all the high risks. All the high contacts came back negative for two tests, so it's not like it's spreading. It's just kind of him, it seems. So he hasn't given it to anyone. Correct. That's good. Yeah. Staying on the subject of health, but of player health and not COVID. Instead of COVID. That was enough COVID news. That was a lot. Yeah. The Indianapolis Colts quarterback, Sam Ellinger. Ellinger. Sure. Yep. Is set to miss about four weeks with a sprained ACL. At least it's not worse than that, I suppose. But the Indianapolis Colts 
wide receiver T.Y. Hilton underwent surgery to relieve a neck injury, which I'm not sure what it is. It just says neck injury. And he's been placed on the injured reserve at the start of the 2021 season. There's currently no timetable for his return, but he's going to stay on IR for at least three weeks, the article said. Could be longer, so I'm not sure what surgery he had. Yeah, it was kept pretty hush-hush. But, like, neck surgeries are never really, I would imagine, quick heels. And Baltimore Ravens running back? Is that what RB is? Yep. Go me. I'm getting so good at this. <laughs> J.K. Dobbins will be out for the season with a torn ACL. An MRI confirmed that he's going to probably miss the entire season. I'm just proud that you didn't go J.K. and then the person that shouldn't be named. <laughs> but also this week, the New York Jets defensive end Vinny Curry will be out the rest of the 2021 season due to a blood clot issue. He's been experiencing because of a rare blood disorder that he has, I guess. So, fun times. I feel like the one way you relieve blood clotting is not going to be good for someone who plays professional sports, especially like a decent contact sport. Right. And then this week as well, the Minnesota Vikings tight end Irv Smith, easiest name of the day, will miss four to five months after he underwent surgery last week to repair a meniscus injury. That is a pretty long time out. Yep. And then we've got some trades that have happened and... Whoever writes the articles for the NFL needs to stop because they're the worst, but I'm going to try to run through these quickly. Okay. Well, you have to read like 30% of the article before you find out who was even traded because that's how they write over at the NFL website. So like F you, but. Download the score app. Do yourself some solid, like not sponsored, but really like if you want to stay up on sports, it's a fantastic app. The New York Jets are trading a 22 sixth round pick to Houston in exchange for edge rushers. That would, is that a thing? No. Shaq Lawson? What? It's a defensive end, but yes. Are you sure? Yes. That's not what the article said. I know, because you read an article on ESPN. <laughs> no, on the NFL website. Uh, even worse. And Minnesota has traded a 22 fourth round pick to the Jets in exchange for tight end, which I know is a position, Chris Herndon, and a 22 sixth round pick. Also, the Pittsburgh Steelers, kind of the same home to your hockey team, traded a 2023 fifth round pick to Seattle Seahawks in exchange for Akello Witherspoon. Any relation? To who? Reese? No. No. I don't think so. <laughs> It'd be funny to find that out, though. Wouldn't it? Yeah. And this one was a little bit of a shocker to me, only because this particular player has kind of been the backbone of the running game for the Patriots. The Patriots traded away running back Sony Michelle to the Los Angeles Rams for a 22 six-round pick and a 23 fourth-round pick. I was just kind of stumped because for a long time, like whenever the, anybody gets injured in the running game for the Patriots, this guy literally picks up the ball and carries the team. So it's just it's weird to me, I guess. Is it a money move? Well, it's for picks, so no. And the Patriots don't really have to worry about cap after canning somebody we'll talk about later. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then it looks like the traveling trip for Denzel Perryman didn't stop after he left the Chargers and went to Carolina. The Carolina Panthers traded away linebacker Denzel Perryman to the Las Vegas Raiders for a six-round pick. The Raiders also received a seventh-round pick for taking Denzel Perryman. And they're both going to be in the 22 draft. So. Oh, okay. But that poor guy went from L.A. to Carolina for, like, a couple months and then back to Vegas. So it's like, just make up your mind what coast do you want to be on. Right. Probably wasn't his decision, let's be honest. The Jaguars this week announced that they traded away Gardner Minshew to the Eagles for a conditional six-round pick. The Jaguars would receive a fifth-round pick if Minshew takes at least 50% of the snaps in three games this season. Honestly, Minshew's mustache alone is worth more than a six-round pick. And I only say this so that I can show you a picture of some of his lovely hairstyles and great mustache choices. Jeez. From college football all the way through to professional football, he's always done something different every single game. Well, I invite him to stop <laughs> because, like, he looks like that guy in the 80s that everyone wanted to beat up because he's just a piece of garbage. I feel like everybody in the 80s wanted that style mustache, though. 
But anyone with that mustache, you wanted to beat up, right? Or is that just the here and now everyone wants to beat anyone up who wears that mustache? I think that might just be your here and now situation, to be completely honest. Also this week, the Jets traded away defensive lineman B.J. Hill to the Cincinnati Bengals for offensive lineman Billy Price. The Jaguars were involved in one more trade. They traded away cornerback Sidney Jones to the Seahawks for a 2022 six-round pick. And then we had some signings. Yes, definitely. The Carolina Panthers and Robbie Anderson have agreed to a two-year $29.5 million extension with more than $20 million of that guaranteed. No. Pretty good payday. Stop it. Just stop it. And Viking safety Harrison Smith signed a four-year extension worth up to $64 million. In the new deal, Smith will receive $22.5 million in the next eight months. The extension will also pay him an average of $15.3 million per year from 22 through 24 and includes $26.38 million guaranteed. Stop it with the guaranteed money. (laughs) I keep looking up like, why are you telling me to stop it? I just, I don't like guaranteed money, but that's just me. Right. And then the Las Vegas Raiders had a couple of signings. They signed ex-Seahawks linebacker KJ Wright to a one-year deal. And they signed running back Peyton Barber. And this move with Barber comes after Barber was cut by Washington on Tuesday. So he became a free agent and they're like, well, we kind of like you. Come on over. Right. Swept him up real fast. Yep. Now, as you know, there was recently a hurricane down by Louisiana. And so the New Orleans Saints are planning to use an interim facility for its first four weeks of the season due to Hurricane Ida. It's a little muddy as to where that's going to be and when they're actually going to go back to their stadium because of how everything is at the moment. So we'll talk a little bit more about what their concerns were because there wasn't really much damage to the stadium itself, but the practice facility is where they had more issues. Right. Jarrell Casey has announced his retirement following a 10-year NFL career. The 31-year-old spent nine seasons with the Titans and played three games in Denver in 2020. That was not a lot of games. Well, in that year, yes, but I'm sure he played all of them when he was in Tennessee. Right, right. But sticking with Denver, the Denver Broncos cut running back Royce Freeman after three seasons. Instead, they will use a combination of Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams in his place. Yeah, I kind of understand that. Like, Melvin Gordon was one of the top running backs for, like, the last four or five seasons. Kind of makes sense that you cut a guy after you bring a guy like that into the organization. Right. Veteran cornerback Desmond Trufant has been released by the Chicago Bears. He missed the majority of training camp due to personal reasons. On top of that, it just seemed like when he was there at training camp, he wasn't as physically fit and prepared enough to play this season because of the things that were going on. So, like, that and the mental distraction of what was going on, I guess, it was just the double whammy for the Bears organization. They're like, listen, it's not you, it's me. So, But is it? No, not really. Yeah. And then in the big news this week, the New England Patriots have released Cam Newton. This means the team will give the spot to rookie first-round pick Mac Jones. Both quarterbacks performed well in the preseason, although Jones got most of the action during those games. It also means that it'll be a game between two ex-Alabama quarterbacks for his first game. It'll be him against Tua from the Dolphins. So the Patriots and the Dolphins, both first-round pick quarterbacks, back-to-back years will be facing off against each other from Alabama. So it'll be an interesting game to see. I honestly think Mac Jones will be the best out of the two, just because I feel like as a quarterback, he fits into a NFL system better. Like Tua is more one of those guys that's like to run out of the pocket and pass. I don't know enough about football to agree or disagree with you, but sure. (laughs) Okay. I mean, if he's the one who got the most action, I assume he's the better player. Well, Cam Newton came off of one of his career worst seasons last year, and then the prior year to that was actually the one that he he thought was going to be his worst career season, so it was like... Too bump, bad. Bump. Yeah. yeah. The Miami Dolphins have released veteran center Matt Skura. He originally joined Miami in March on a one-year $1.75 million deal. This does not sound like enough money for the NFL. It seems like chump change. He was probably brought in to be like a second-string guy, realistically, so like 
I'm not. Uh, that sounds right to me. Okay. But speaking of the Saints, the Saints and Pelicans owner Gail Benson announced that she donated $1 million to the Gulf Coast Renewal Fund. She has also offered both team facilities to local and state resources in order to provide aid in recovery to the surrounding areas around the stadiums. That fund directly supports recovery efforts in the Louisiana area after hurricanes and other major disasters. So with like the oil spill, it was involved for that. And for hurricane damage, it's usually involved for that as well. So it's definitely a good fund to donate to if you have the money to donate. The state of Louisiana obviously still needs help, as does most of the United States where Ida went. Like, it seems like it just was a wrecking ball all the way through the country. You know, I got to sit on a call with somebody from Philadelphia the other day, and one of his peers' house was hit by one of those tornadoes from Ida. So it's like... All sorts of stuff all over the place. Right. But the painful NFL run is over. Oh, thank goodness that went on forever. Now we're moving on to your favorite. Next thing, the MLB. Mm. Mm. The good news is short COVID news. All right, well, get into it. All right. The Nationals and Astros announced that they are now requiring all non-players to be vaccinated within their organization. Why don't we also include the players? The goal, though, is to cut out the staff members and health staff and coaching staff from bringing COVID into the facility, I feel like, is more the goal. Do they know that people who are vaccinated can pass COVID around? Yes, but the goal is to hopefully be less likely. Yeah. I just think players should be vaccinated. All of them. Everywhere. All sports. And then this is the fun one. Since I wrote this about two days ago in the notes, there have been two more players by the Boston Red Sox added to the COVID list. So originally it was five and now there are seven? Yes. Oh, yay. That have been added to the COVID-19 IL since August 27th, so literally just last week. So, too many. Actively, at the time when I wrote the notes, it was Jaron Duran, Kike Hernandez, Xander Bogers, Yaro Munoz, and Christian Arroyo. I don't know the name of the other two players, but I was reading an article this morning that there were a total of seven now. Nice. So, yay. Boston's struggling. Why doesn't the team just decide... All the players should get vaccinated. You just completely supported my point. You're welcome. Thanks. All right. Moving on to other health player things. So this one affects you, and I'm sure you're not loving it. Lucas Giolito was placed on the 10-day IL retroactive to September 1st with a left hamstring strain after experiencing tightness during his outing this past Tuesday. But that's not it for the White Sox. The White Sox also placed Anderson on the 10-day IL on Wednesday due to a left hamstring strain. So there's a lot of talk in Chicago actively in the sports world stating that both of these are just to buy them some time for rest. But at the same time, it's like if you're putting them on the IL, you're not resting them. You know, the only advantage of putting them on the IL is they can call somebody else up while they give them the rest. So I think that's predominantly the reason they got put on the IL. Do they think it's suspicious because it's the same injury? Well... Because I feel like if you're faking it, you would put a different injury. You covered two of the four players we actually put on the 10-day IL this past week. I didn't go to add the other ones just because it that's what it seemed like it was. Don't be suspicious. Don't. Be suspicious. It's what they're doing. And it's a very common thing in the major leagues coming into the playoffs where you can rest players, but then you don't have to sacrifice roster spots. Okay. Because normally if you rest a player and they're not on the IL, they're They're just just there. Bench warmers, Right. Exactly. They're bench warmers. So you can't bring up other younger guys to get opportunities to maybe prove that they have the right to be on the roster in the future. So it's kind of just a a move for player-to-player rotations. And then the rest of mine are all Andersons for the injuries for the Major League, so... I'll let you wrap up the Andersons, and I'll cover the rest. All right. Brian Anderson of the Marlins was placed on the 10-day IL on Friday with a left shoulder subluxation. He dislocated his shoulder. The Thank same, you. <laughs> not everyone knows. Yeah. The same issue kept Anderson out for two months earlier this season, and according to manager Don Mattingly, he re-aggravated the injury, diving for Dominic Smith's ninth inning single on Tuesday. It's just a single. It's not that serious, in my opinion, but whatever. 
And then Milwaukee Brewers' Brett Anderson was placed on the 10-day IL on Thursday, one day after he was hit on his left shoulder by a 103.1 mile-per-hour line drive in the second inning against the Giants. Line drives suck, whether you're a catcher, a pitcher, uh, really anywhere in the infield, if you get hit with a line drive, it sucks. At least in the outfield, you have a little bit of time to see it coming, so you usually can react. Also, it's slower at that point. Yeah, so it's just rough, to say the least. But also this week, uh, the Cleveland Indians catcher Wilson Ramos is out for the remainder of the season after he tore his ACL and sprained his MCL. For the same knee, I'm assuming? Correct. Because that would suck if it was different knees. Could you imagine? Be like, yes, I'm in the wheelchair. I've come to accept it at that point. Also this week, Minnesota Twins pitcher Kenta Maeda underwent Tommy John surgery and also had a brace put into his elbow during the surgery, which can speed up the recovery time to 9 to 12 months rather than the usual 12 to 16 month timetable. So it's a brace that's been surgically added? Correct. To the inside of his arm? Yeah, from the tendons that are taken from your knee to strengthen the tendons in your elbow as a pitcher. So you're going to have bad knees. Well, as a pitcher, that doesn't matter for a career, though. As much as it does As a human being, elbow. it will matter for walking. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Either way, that's I what the I hope you don't have for. to run away from some bears. <laughs> Just saying. And other news. <laughs> we know I don't support Tommy John surgery. I know. He's spoken out many times about it. I will always. The Orioles finally ended their 19-game losing streak. By defeating the Angels 10-6 to after being down 6-2 to through the 8th. Everybody was expecting it to be their 20th loss. And they just decided baseball. I mean, 8 unanswered, that's pretty good. Yeah, it is definitely pretty good. And then we have more people behaving badly because it's sports and, of course. It's the Mets. So, Mets GM Zach Scott pleaded not guilty to driving while intoxicated The charges were brought up from the Westchester County, New York, on Thursday morning following an incident that resulted in his arrest two days prior. The Mets have placed Scott on administrative leave, quote, until further notice. The team president, Sandy Alderson, is assuming Scott's duties for now. And this is after they've had a whole, like, staffing change and other stuff happening throughout the year already. To clarify... He's the interim GM because they fired their other GM before the season even started due to horrible things that he did. Other misconduct problems. Correct. Yes. So, I, you know, new ownership with the Cohen group. I, I was hoping that they were going to do something good for the Mets, but so far it just seems like they hired two crappy GMs and have brought all this talent into New York and are wasting it. Right. So it's like... Good job, you guys. They traded away three of their top prospects before the deadline for a player that is playing well, but then they're not placing him in the batting lineup properly to utilize him. So, like, Javi Baez has just been worthless to them because nobody's getting on base before him. So it's like, why do you bring in a power hitter if you give him nothing to hit home to score a run? I don't know. The, the Mets are a mess, and that's normal, but it shouldn't be right now. Right, right. And then the Angels released veteran shortstop Jose Iglesias before Friday's game against the Rangers as they plan on utilizing Jack Mayfield as their primary shortstop for the rest of the season. Iglesias hasn't started since August 27th. Apparently oh, he's... Last year or this year? This year. It's not that long ago, though. But apparently he's made a lot of errors this season, which is part of the reason the team wants to use someone else in the position. I think it's like double last year already or something like that. I read the article a while back, so I'm not sure. Honestly, that's probably okay because the Angels are pretty sure in dead last place in their division. So if you have to bring... Maybe he was the problem. If you have to bring... No, there's a lot of problems on that (laughs) that team. We won't go into that because we'll be here all day. But the reality of it is... Why not give a young guy a chance to prove himself at the bigger level if you've got a guy that's sucking as hard as he is anyways? So, right. like, it kind of makes sense. And in the world of the NBA, we have a couple pieces of COVID news. Nothing like we had in the NFL, but... Thank God. I don't know that I could handle another round of that. The NBA announced on Saturday, August 28th, that it had reached 
an agreement with the NBA Referees Association, which I totally didn't know was a thing, requiring vaccinations for all referees working NBA games during the 21-22 season. The agreement specifies that all referees must be fully vaccinated unless they have a religious or medical exemption. The referees have also agreed to take any recommended boosters. So as you know, or hopefully you know, At this point, the Mayo Clinic, at least, is recommending a nine-month booster. So, like, I'm all for the booster if it's necessary. But there's so many countries where people are not even vaccinated with the first shot. Like, I feel a little guilty as an American going like, hey, guys, I know you haven't gotten the first one. I'm going to get my third. Like, Well, but, I mean, we have to do what we can where we are. Yeah, absolutely. No argument there. I can't help the fact that other countries aren't getting the vaccine. Literally. It's a very American thing to say, though. Like, Well, literally, what am I going to do? This one person in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Like, I, I got nothing for you. Put, like, a fake sack in your skin so when they inject it, you can ship it off to them? That does not sound like a good idea. <laughs> it was a joke. It's not uh, supposed to be what you do ever. But... Any referee who does not get vaccinated and is not exempt is going to be ineligible to work games. Again, I feel like this is another, like, staffer situation. It's like, get them vaccinated so there's less risk. I think this should just be for everybody everywhere, but that's just me. We know your opinion by now, I promise. Yep. And you're sticking to it. Yep. (laughs) Fully vaccinated NBA players and coaches are not expected to be subject to regular COVID testing this season. Exceptions to that policy will include situations such as players or coaches showing symptoms generally associated with the virus or being exposed to an unvaccinated player who tests positive for COVID. Those who are not fully vaccinated will need to be tested on all days involving practice or travel and likely will be tested twice on game days. Just get the freaking shot. I swear. They will also have to wear masks at team facilities and during travel. And everyone, regardless of vaccination status, will be expected to submit to an antibody test before the start of the season. That's good. I'm assuming it's to make sure people are getting vaccinated, but it just really sounds like it makes the most sense for players to get vaccinated because who wants a Q-tip up their nose that many times a day or a week? Especially in the NBA, I feel like they're doing testing a lot more than other leagues. It definitely does. They're, they, they've kind of been one of the leaders shy of, like, the bubble system that the NHL did. Man, they, can we do that again? They were right there with them. No, because I want to go watch hockey again in person. True, true. Like, we have tickets. No bubbles. No bubbles. <laughs> and then we just had some signings. The NBA was pretty light on news this week, which is kind of nice for once. Right. Uh, we had Josh Richardson sign an extension with the Celtics. The Celtics also signed Robert Williams III to a contract extension. The terms of the deal were not disclosed at the time of our note writing. So, monies? For things. Yeah. Also, the Milwaukee Bucks coach, Mike Budenholzer? Budenholzer? I like Budenholzer better. It sounds funny. <laughs> I mean, it looks funny either way. Has received a contract extension after guiding the team to its first NBA title in a half century. Also on this deal, details weren't disclosed, but we know that the deal is for three years and it would last through the 24-25 season. And one I'm kind of excited to talk about, the New York Knicks have signed Julius Randle to a contract extension. The seven-year veteran has signed on for four more seasons in New York after earning the 2020-2021 All-NBA second team honors. It ended up being a three-year extension for $62.1 million. So pretty healthy amount of money. Yeah. The L.A. Lakers have signed guard Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo. Okay. Not bad. It's a good attempt. Per team policy, the terms of the deal were not disclosed, but the 15-year NBA veteran will be returning to the Lakers after playing with the L.A. Clippers last season. Yeah, he was brought on to kind of be that guiding captain into the playoffs, and it kind of worked. The Clippers made it all the way, so, like, It wasn't so bad. Like, they lost in the conference finals, so, you know, he got them there. Right. But the Lakers roster is looking more and more, not even like a super team, like a mega team. Like, it's stupid how much talent is on that roster now. Especially after bringing Carmelo Anthony back and Westbrook. It's just, why even try to play against them unless, like, LeBron gets old and just falls over because he's been playing forever. 
or his walker breaks. Can you tell I don't like LeBron? <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's pretty commonplace to not like him at this point. Yep. But what do I know? The Atlanta Hawks have agreed to a contract extension with center Clint Capella on Wednesday. It is a two-year, $46 million extension. He has two years left on his current contract is now and is now under contract through the 24-25 season. I feel like $46 million is a lot. Is it not a lot for the NBA? He's a number one player in his spot, so like it kind of makes sense. Not really. Okay. He's been a key part of any push that that organization has had in the playoffs in like recent history. So like deserved. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that was really it for the NBA. They didn't have too much going on compared to the other sports this past couple weeks. And an even better news, the international soccer world has been pretty light this week. I know you had some MLS news, so we'll just go with that for now. It's super short and sweet. The Turkish Super League club Fenerbahce has signed forward Diego Rossi from the LAFC. I'm going to show you a video later and maybe we shoot like a short clip for Instagram about Fenerbahce because they their fans are lunatics. Like... Well, that's exciting. You think, like, Manchester United, Man City, like, they legit fight? Like, Fenerbahce fans will literally burn your stadium to the ground. It's craziness. What I'm hearing is because I pronounced it wrong, they're going to come to my house and burn it down. They probably won't. The fact that you're giving them airtime is a helpful thing for their team. So, But in the world of international news, we are actively in World Cup qualifying. There's far too much, literally because it involves the whole world right now, to discuss... The news on that, it's just a lot. Will it get narrowed down as the qualifiers continue to happen? Is it like that, or is it more like you play your game, and if you win, you've qualified? And So we're in, they're still in group stages. So if you finish first or second in your group, you move on to the World Cup. So basically everybody's trying to get one of those two spots at this point. Okay, so you are playing a couple games, but it's like the best out of the... Like group that you're in? Groups of like six, I believe, is how many countries are in each group. So, okay. yes, the U.S. is actively playing in a pretty tough group as well. It includes Canada, which Canada isn't always very competitive, but like they're one of the many countries that takes on a lot of refugees. So they get a lot of athletes from outside of their country that come to their country as refugees and train in Canada and join the international team. Like Alfonso Davies being... The definition of that, he plays for Bayern Munich now and as a phenom, but again, his family came to the country as refugees and in turn represents the country that he was raised in realistically. So it's it's exciting to see countries, A, doing good things and B, being kind of rewarded for it as well. So, But I think that pretty much wraps up the sports news for the week yeah. and 10 days, I guess the total of 10 days. We'll call it what it really is, not just a week. Yeah, it... Really felt like a lot, but it doesn't seem like this episode is going to be super long, so we snapped to it, thankfully. Yeah. And we'll be back with an episode on Thursday for all the book stuff, and I do not think it will be as short as this one, so maybe for that one, bring a snack. You know, lately you've been saying that, and our episodes haven't been quite as bad as you expected them to be, so fingers crossed. I just don't know how to shut up. Fingers crossed that this will be an okay episode, but I know you've done a lot of reading, so there's probably some things to talk about. There will be, so make sure you're ready for that. But in the meantime, make sure you're staying in contact with us on all our social media, which will be linked in the show notes. And then we'll see you guys on Thursday. Bye, guys. Bye.